0: Hello, Language Hackers. Benny here, welcoming you to yet another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, Shannon and I chat to Nelson Dallas, a four-times U.S. memory champion who recently learned one of his heritage languages, Dutch slash Flemish. Some of the things we discuss are going from memory champion to language learner, learning Flemish to get closer to his family, memory champion techniques to learn languages, the power of speaking and language exposure, multi-generational learning that's learning with his mom and teaching his son, fixing fossilized errors and balancing revision versus learning. As always, we appreciate your reviews. So if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share your thoughts with us on languagehacking.com review. We appreciate hearing from you and your reviews really help others to find our podcast. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com 31. And now on to our interview with Nelson.
1: Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. So hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Today with us, we have a special guest who is a memory champion and who is also a language learner. He speaks more than one language. I would like to introduce Nelson Dulles to you.
2: Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: And of course, as always, I have my co-host, Benny Lewis.
0: Hello, hello. So this should be a very interesting conversation, but to kick things off, Nelson, could you actually tell us yourself about your background?
2: Yeah, uh, happy to. So I, um, you know, I, I, about 10 years ago, I stumbled upon uh, this curious world of mnemonics and competitive memorizing through this championship called the USA Memory Championship. And uh, my interest was heightened in the world of memory because of my grandmother who had been suffering from Alzheimer's disease and uh, I just got hooked uh, at these techniques and it made me feel like I had a superpower and I wanted to kind of continue to strengthen my brain and my capacity to remember things which I'd say before that point was you know okay it wasn't bad or it wasn't great it was kind of average Um, but with you know some dedicated practice learning techniques and kind of a Eventually, getting quite obsessed with them, I I managed to win the championship uh, a few times and set some records. And you know, I've been working on different projects over the years using my memory skills. And uh, I've always wanted to do some kind of language learning project. And um, I grew up abroad. My parents are from Europe, and I grew up speaking other languages. And you know, I never really used my memory techniques to memorize or learn uh, a new language. And that's what, um, that's always kind of been an interest of mine. So language has always been in my life, language learning. And, um, yeah, in the last year, um, last year, especially I was, I was using those techniques to, to, to work on a language.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit more specifically about that project last year?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, I, you know, my, I grew up speaking French, actually that was my first language. Um, and my dad is French French and my mom is, is, Belgian but and from the Flemish side that she speaks French so growing up we heard a lot of French in our household that's why we spoke French because my my dad never bothered to learn the Flemish so they just speak French to each other um, so I grew up with that of course we moved a lot went to English schools um, so English then became my main language and um, you know I've lived in Miami for a long time so I know a good amount of Spanish but one thing that always kind of bothered me was that I could never understand my mother when she spoke to her family, or when we visited her family. And you know, speaking French, of course, is one of her languages, but it, it just didn't feel like I I was connecting with my my complete family. So I partnered with um, Drops, um, which is a language learning app, to to see if we could come up with some fun way to kind of promote this idea of of, of using the app to learn. A language using a a lot of memory techniques and and strategies to to kind of speed up that process or make that process more fun. Um, Now, for me, you know, language learning um, in the past would have been very different, but now, armed with these memory skills, I wanted to kind of approach it from a memory champion standpoint. And uh, yeah, so I spent all of 2019. Um, learning as many words as I could in in Dutch slash Flemish. And then, um, of course, also working on learning the actual grammar and and, and ways to speak it rather than just only knowing words. But, uh, But yeah.
0: Now you say Dutch slash Flemish. So for people listening who aren't sure, what exactly are the differences between the two? And why did you ultimately choose Flemish as your priority over just straight Dutch, which probably had more resources available for us.
2: Yeah, good question. So so in, you know, it's 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 the same written language, Dutch and Flemish, um, but uh, the pronunciations are different, um, very subtle, but uh, I would say maybe it's the difference between hearing someone speak American English and, and and English English, although the Dutch and Flemish might get angry at me for saying something like that. But um and, and they use certain verbs in one country versus uh, the other and uh, different terms of phrases are, are a bit different. But um, I wanted to go the Flemish route, even though it's it's kind of less spoken than, than Dutch. Uh, you know, it, it, that's my family. My family speaks that. That's what my mom sounds like. If I spoke Dutch to her, she'd probably laugh at a few things that I would say if I spoke with that um, kind of accent uh, or said certain words. And um, yeah, so it was more I wanted to get closer to my family. That was the reason for learning the language.
1: You had mentioned that you wanted to apply some of the memory techniques that you used in these memory championships to language learning. And I know that a lot of what you're doing in these sorts of competitions is very short term based. Um, what did you find differed in using those techniques to work on something that you're trying to keep for, you're, you know, trying to maintain long term?
2: Forever. Yeah. Um, so one little small thing I should point out, um, while yes, in, in competitions, the goal is to memorize something very quickly. And then, you know, we don't really care about keeping it for very long because it's a lot of useless information, like a deck of playing cards that was randomly shuffled or a random number. Um, there's really no point in keeping that for the rest of your life. Um, Language is obviously different, but the with the memory techniques that we use, we actually can make that choice. Um, once we I, I'd say the techniques really get the information in your head very quickly. And from then, from that point, you can actually, the way it's structured in your mind, you can review the information as much as you like. So if you want to keep it for long term, it's just a matter of um reviewing the information in any way you want in real life, like with the actual information or in your structured organization of it in your mind but yeah I mean obviously I think a important thing to break up is is that when learning a language obviously memory is a part of it you have to learn things and remember them um, but it isn't just that so um, I never thought that that would only be the case and that just because I'm a memory champion I could memorize a language although a lot of people seem to think that that's the case but um, I definitely use memory techniques to get a lot of the first, you know, 1000, 2000 most common used words in the target language into my head very quickly. And that was really helpful, uh, cause I didn't have to spend a lot of time doing that. And then, you know, from that point on, it was, it was more about how to speak it, um, you know, fluent, as fluently as possible rather than just like looking up random words in my mind.
0: Okay. So I can see that obviously learning any kind of, techniques that would benefit you to remember vocabulary would be a huge help but i'd love to hear specifics like how have you used mnemonics visually to uh make that association at least visually is how i know of creating an image in my mind but um like how would you describe it in terms of using mnemonics to acquire vocabulary how does that work exactly
2: yeah um so one of the I mean, one of the, the kind of basic techniques that we talk about, especially when learning words, is to think in pictures. And uh, you know, for people learning a foreign language, that can be t- tough because a word in a foreign language—how do you picture it if you don't know what it is, right? But the, the way I, I kind of approach it is is like a formula. You have the target word in the foreign language, right, which is the thing you don't know, and then you have a definition of it. Provided to you by some dictionary or um, app or whatever, and that's in in your in your language English, right? And so what you have to do is come up with a picture for one side of the equation and a picture for the other side of the equation, and then connect them. Um, basically, make them interact in your mind. And the more you can step away from the actual, you know, written letters that make up the word and and turn them. Rather into these mental pictures that have color and associations and, 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 feeling. Um, the better and easier it will be to remember those, um, connections, right? So if I'm thinking or, or want to say a word that I know in English in a foreign language, if I have the image for the word in, in, in English, then it should connect to the word in Dutch or Flemish and the, the other way around, right? If I hear it or see it in that target language, it should connect back to what it means. To me uh, in English. And while again, the process I'm talking about is not fluency at all, right? Because you're making a lot of steps to get from one to the other, but that you got to start somewhere, right? And this is, I like to call it like a crutch, right? To get the information into your learning space in your mind, you know? And then through practice and revision and use, you can eventually throw away those crutches. And, you know, when you hear the certain word in the language, it just is the thing that you know what it means, you know?
0: Definitely. And that's an approach that's worked very well for me. I can think of multiple examples uh, that have helped me make that association and keep it in my mind. But what kind of examples would you have come up with yourself? Especially, um, I'm really curious, for Dutch or Flemish that uh, come to your mind for words that initially helped you remember as you were learning this new vocabulary.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, well, okay. For, for Dutch, I kind of I have a good video of this on, on, on YouTube. But there's some different kinds of, of I, I call them levels of words. There's some that you know are, are are these kind of borrowed words that sound like they would be in English. That's easy. Then there's some that you know aren't easy to know what they mean, but they're simple words. Like a good example in in Dutch slash Flemish is the word spin spelled S-P-I-N, like spin, like you might know in English. And what that means is a spider, right? So to come up with some kind of connection there almost seems very intuitive, right? You'd say, oh, well, a spider spins a web, right? And you would imagine this spider, not just think of the story, but actually visualize the spider spinning a web. Um, and even to maybe enhance that while he's spinning a web, the spider is spinning very fast, right? You want to exaggerate these images as well to make them more memorable. And so whenever I see the word spin or hear the word spin in, in Dutch, I, I can't help but think of a spider. Right. And um, yeah, that's that's a simple case. Right. Then you may have this happens a lot in Dutch um, and I'm sure in other languages where you have kind of compound words that are quite long. I don't speak German. I, th- I think you do if I'm incorrect, correct me, but um some of those words are huge and but they if you break them up, they're actually maybe broken up into words that would be a little easier to understand. So in in Dutch for example, you have a uh, strausvogel, which is uh it's an ostrich. And it's funny cuz that's that's a tough word to translate to ostrich, but if you break it down um, Strauss vocal. If you know that a bird is vocal, which you may have learned as one of those more simple words, um, Strauss Strauss actually is um, is, is like stressed. Um, so if you have a stressed bird, right, is your ostrich, and you, know, you might think of like, oh yeah, an ostrich like puts its head in the ground all the time, probably to like hide because it's stressed out, or it's just doing weird stuff because it's it's a stressed out bird. So that to me is a really easy and funny way to remember that word. Even though it's it's kind of a difficult, complicated one at at first, you know?
1: I know that when you were studying uh, your vocabulary for this particular project, you kind of had three months that you were focusing on vocabulary and three months where you kind of took that vocabulary and put it to use with a tutor. So, how would you describe like what you did from knowing a bunch of words in this language to actually being able to start to communicate in the language as a part of those two phases?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the the, the memory champ in, inside of me was really gung-ho on kind of this challenge of, okay, give me 90 days. Um, let me use an app that has all the words ready for me. And I'm just gonna focus on learning those. Um, you know, because two thousand I think in, in the drops app, at least for Dutch, there were correct me if there's more now, but there were around two thousand four hundred words. And um I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn all of those, just memorize them all so that. You know, anybody could quiz me on them and I, I know them backwards and forwards. Um, but the, the plan was never to be able to speak it fluently in any way at that point. Although I will be surprised. I was surprised that by the end of the three months, I could not piece together, you know, large texts or anything or hear conversations, but I could pick out a lot of words and and know what was being talked about roughly. Right. Right. Um, which was great, um, but by no means the, the final product. So once that was done, I was very excited to get into the actual, you know, practice of speaking it and, and and learning the grammar and being able to read it and stuff like that. So I will say that once I started that process with my tutor, um, having those twenty five hundred words almost came in immensely um, helpful uh, at that point because. I could I had the building blocks. I just had to put them together in a way. you
0: know: Absolutely. It can be a huge boost to be able to start a language with that number of words at the get go. but um as well as your approach of acquiring all this vocabulary, I'm curious to hear about what your uh language learning method is in general, and like you said, getting uh practice, and like how did you go beyond the stage of knowing the words? to get into becoming a speaker of the language?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, I think to say that, you know, I don't think you have to, you don't have to do it the way I did it. In fact, I probably wouldn't say you should do it the way I did it. Um, I just did it that way because I know I can memorize a lot of words really fast. And you probably would agree with me that you don't have to be able to, you know, sit down and, and commit to memory massive amounts of information to, to be able to learn a language. but. Um, the, the process that I, I um, that I, I I would tell people for, for for learning their sorry for improving their their memory is that is that anybody can do it um, you know I couldn't do it ten years ago and and now or at least even a year into that process I had significantly enhanced my memory just by applying some very simple techniques and and working on it you know a lot of people shy away from using their memory because they're you know, they have this kind of pre-written notion about how their memory is. Oh, I have a bad memory. But if you feed into that, of course you're going to have a bad memory. Um, and nobody's ever really taught you how to use your memory correctly or in a more efficient way. So it's no surprise that you may not have the best memory in the world, but I think everybody has the potential to have a great memory. Um, and I, I'm proof of that. I, there's other memory champions, champions and competitors who would say the same thing. There really is nobody that shows up to these competitions or events that ha- people have an amazing memory. It's all been learned. Everybody spent time and practice. And they will probably say a similar story where they had an average memory or bad memory before that and they worked at it to have a good memory.
1: Uh, beyond mnemonics, I know that one of the really popular mnemonic techniques is to build memory palaces. So not where you just... Build a single mnemonic, but you actually build like a location where you store these mnemonics. Do you do anything like that?
2: So yeah, I, I mean, I use that a lot for some of the things that I memorize for competition, like memorizing cards or numbers or lists of words. Um, but typically in competition, that stuff uh, stays or needs to be recalled in order, you know. And that's where memory palaces, I think, really shine is where you can say or recite information in a specific order that's the thing with language is uh, there's not really order to it, right? Um, and there's a lot of information to know. So using a memory palace, for example, to memorize all of those words wasn't really necessary because there was no situation where I was going to have to pull them out of my brain in order, right? In fact, on the fly, if someone's talking to me, I'd have to just You know, be able to access them randomly, right? Uh, Depending on what the person says that I'm trying to understand. So memory palace is probably not the best strategy for that. But, um, I definitely used it for some things that, you know, I I need to to remember in terms of, um, you know, grammatical facts or conjugation type things. Um, I didn't really have a, a, a good structure in terms of, okay, I'm putting these specific things in my memory palace. Um, but if there was something that I kept running into or or having a hard time to remember, I'd maybe make a list of those things and then memorize that list just to be more familiar with it. But I, I really found myself not using much of a memory palace for language learning just because, you know, language learning to me is, is kind of a, a big, wide project um, for the brain. And it's... Um, you're accessing that information in so many different ways that I, I don't think that a memory palace would be the best way. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And like, what did you do then to actually make this transition from having memorized all these words to genuinely speaking the language? So, like, what did you do differently, and what really kicked things off for you as a speaker of the language?
2: Yeah, right. So you know, I, as as Shannon said, I, I started working with a tutor. We meet once or twice a week um, through an online platform that we use called Preply, and um, I was lucky enough to have a tutor that was actually she spoke Flemish and Dutch, so that was actually really helpful because she could kind of t- help me with some of the distinctions. Because I think in the in the Drops app, I was actually learning uh, Dutch, and I think the audio uh, translations of the words were was a Dutch person's with a Dutch accent, so. Um, I kind of had to tweak a couple things, not too many, but just uh, some of the 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 way things were said. But yeah, the 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 big things that I pulled away, I think that were most helpful at that point was just trying to speak it as much as possible um, to everyone and to anything, um, and to to access that language in many different formats throughout my day. That means, you know, at the time, my my infant son was. About just under a year old. So he couldn't really speak, but I was speaking to him in Dutch and it probably wasn't great Dutch, but, um, that's what made it easy was he didn't, he doesn't know. So I could say whatever I wanted to him and he'd just listen. Um, and then with my tutor, of course, we'd speak. Um, she'd correct me with my mom. I get to speak and my mom was quite close to me. So uh, every time we'd visit, we'd speak, um, and every time we'd talk on the phone we'd speak that way i'd watch a lot of cartoons with my son as well in that target language uh i had an app on my phone that had um flemish radio stations that i'd listen to when i would be working out or on the go and i think that exposure is really was really important and i knew that because growing up when we moved back and forth from europe uh to the states back you know, I'd lose a bit of my fluency in French, but then when we would go back to France and I'd just be there surrounded by it, it would just go back to normal. And I've had that experience a few times since then, you know, traveling back to Paris and visiting my family where I've been in situations where I've been a bit rusty, but suddenly within 24 hours of just kind of like hearing it everywhere, seeing it everywhere, you can't escape it. It, it just like consumes you and, and and your brain kind of switches to this mode of figuring stuff out much faster. You know.
1: You had just mentioned something that I think is a struggle for a lot of language learners where you learn something one way and then you have to go through the process of not just learning the right way, but basically unlearning the wrong way and then learning the right way. So there's an extra step to it. And for a lot of learners, these kind of fossilized errors where they have a hard time doing, going through this process. So since you kind of went through this with your Dutch project, do you have any particular advice to help learners with this? challenge?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, well, if from where, from my memory background, you know, I found that when things are, you know, you've learned something this way, it's kind of at this point, maybe ingrained in your mind as that. And then somebody tells you, well, it's actually like this, or maybe it means something else. Um, if it's a kind of a, a a one-time thing, then almost that situation of being surprised that it actually is something else or, um, you know, having to make that adjustment is memorable enough that you remember it, right? But then, of course, there's going to be situations where maybe it's a number of corrections you have to make. And some of them are very similar. What I try to do is just sit there and really make a reason in my mind why this adjustment has to happen. As as silly as I can make that thought. um, You know then it makes it more memorable in that way right if i can kind of make a connection or an association to why it should be the corrected version um so one very kind of subtle detail um is how the in dutch and flemish the ij sound is um so in well, i don't even know if I, I can say it in dutch anymore but like to say like um he You'd, you'd say it's H I J. So in, in, um, Flemish, it's, it's just like, Hey, almost. Um, but in, in Dutch, I may be saying this wrong because I haven't practiced in a while, but it's more like you hang on the, on the, on that Y sound. So it's like, Hey, um, and it's a subtle thing, but, um, you know, I, I just kind of telling myself, well, it's actually more like, Hey, um, a- instead of kind of hanging on that, that, that Y sound at the end, um, and it's, you know, in my mind, hey is a little more pleasant because it's kind of like a casual hello, right? So everything in Flemish is lighter. That's why I'm learning it. It's my mother's language. It's nicer than Dutch. Uh, you know, even if that stuff's not true, uh, it's, it's what I'm telling myself is the reason for why I had to make that adjustment. And that's easier to remember every time I, I see that word or have to say it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And you've written, a lot, like you've got uh, your own book published on this this topic of uh, memory. So I'm curious, as you would apply this to other people, is there anything you would recommend based on your own experience now? And uh, especially if you think it might work differently with children, given the way that they learn.
2: Yeah, you know, the great thing about children is they have such uh, amazing uh, imaginations and a lot of these techniques hinge on hinge on some kind of creativity and imagination. And I think as adults, for some people, that's tough because I don't know, maybe they've gone for many years. Well, you know, being able to play like that in their mind, whereas kids have no barrier. Right. Um, so I I wouldn't really change much. In in fact, I mean, spin and spider, that's a fun image for a, a kid to, to, to think of. Um, you know, so I, I, I'd, of course, make the images a lot more silly, um, simpler. Um, and, and that's reflected in the book as well. Like it's, it's teaching these techniques through a very fun lens. And, um, you yeah, know, I, I, well, I want everybody to have fun uh, when they're, they're learning uh, memory techniques or learning language. It, it should not be a chore or else, you know, it's going you're going to have a hard time staying motivated and learning the language. But for kids, yeah, you just got to make it as fun and silly as possible. Um, when it comes to those images and associations,
1: I know you've probably written about these in the book. But given that you've kind of been working with your son in Flemish slash Dutch, uh, do you have any specific examples that you could give of ways that you've employed this yourself?
2: Well, uh, which which what do you mean exactly? Like teaching him some words?
1: Um, yeah, teaching him some words, or you know, learning languages with your son.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, well, one thing is 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 there's been a lot of Songs that my mom sang to me when I was a kid that I guess I kind of knew like I could sing along with them, I didn't know what they meant at all. Um, but now I do, and she's brought them back into my son's life and into my life as well. So, you know, we've sung many songs to him at this point that he I don't know if he necessarily knows what they mean, but he can act out a lot of what is being said, and um. You know, for him, it's amazing to watch him. I mean, he's, he speaks a lot in English, um, but he knows a lot of little words here or there in French and, and and Flemish, just cause that's what I've been brought up saying. And, um, you know, he doesn't question them. He just learns them. It's, it's fascinating to learn, to see how he just learns new words and, and gets to an understanding of what they mean. But, um, you know, for me to teach him stuff, it's, it's really just been repetition and kind of, Pointing and, um, you know, presenting things that I'm trying to explain what they are in this other language. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is about kids, but they they, they just have no sense of a, of a barrier when it comes to those kinds of things. And it's been quite easy to introduce new words to him in other languages.
0: In a way, you're kind of learning Dutch with your son, isn't that right? I was just going to say one thing, because
2: I kind of missed the bus. I should have done this when... Um, with, with, well, Dutch, I was a little bit ahead of, of my son's speaking. He started speaking about one year old, like co- coherent stuff. Um, but I have another son who's, who's three months now. I, you know, and I'm fascinated when I look at my son, Axel, he's, he's two now, how he's built his repertoire of, of words in, in, in English. And I even, I put him in this study where we basically had to fill out a, a survey to basically get a word count of how many words he knows. And it was about three to 400, which I think is quite high for him at that age. But I, I thought with my new my newer son to maybe choose a new language to learn, but try to learn what he learns as he learns it. You know what I mean? So if he knows how to say, you know, mom and dad, then I should know how to say that. If he knows how to say fork or give me that, you know, or something, I should learn it as he learns it and, and see how well, obviously that would take some time to learn the language, but he's learning the language at the same speed too, you know? And you always talk about how kids can just pick up languages, but in reality, they're, they're taking a while to learn the language, you know? It's, it's, taking years for them to, to speak proper English or whatever their language is. But I thought it'd be a cool project to try to kind of slowly follow along with a kid that's learning English or any language for the first time, you know?
0: Sure. And I imagine having your, your two sons as part of your journey. Has completely transformed your motivation to learn the language itself, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, and and, and that's another thing I wanted to touch on is, is is how when I started the project, I had that challenge of you know using the Drops app to learn just words. And I think what a lot of people face, me included. Listen, I've tried to learn Italian. I've tried to learn Russian. I bought all the books, and then you know. I have the books. That's it. <laughs> um, and I've tried to open them, you know, and then you just lose motivation. So having the right motivation of, of why are you doing this um, is helpful. And also having an easy access way to just do a little bit every single day is huge because it's a snowball effect, right? Um, the hardest part is kind of getting in the habit of working on language every day. And but you have to, if, if you want to speak that language, you have to. Unfortunately, that's There's no quick hack uh, you know, to 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 be fluent, you know, in a few days. That doesn't happen. So the Drops app, I think, is is a great way to make that process fun. And as non-committal, you don't have to commit as much every day um, to just get started. And while you could say, well, I'm not learning that much by just doing five minutes a day, you're learning something and that adds up. And eventually when you're done learning the words like I was. You know, I hadn't done much in a sense because I spent maybe fifteen minutes a day learning words. By the end of ninety days, I knew twenty five hundred words, right? And um, I was in it. I was, I had started, and I was deep into the language learning process. And so, jumping into the second phase was a lot easier, and I had a lot of you know steam pushing me along.
1: Given that you learned so many words in such a short period of time, I know that to retain them, you have to do kind of balance learning new words while also revising the words that you had learned in the past. How do you balance the revision versus the new learning?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, with, with the app, it, it actually helped a lot um, keeping track of words that I needed to review um, uh, and words that were coming in brand new. Um, going past that, I have a lot of different methods of, of how I Review my words. Um, I use a lot of Google Sheets, probably not the the best. Um, I've I've used Anki from time to time, which is a, a flashcard reviewing app. Um, I use another one on my phone as well called Chegg. And I, you know, I make different lists for different things. You know, different categories of words or different verbs and things like that. And um, you know, I, I think this is probably because of my my memory background. I I have a good sense of how to organize what I need to, to review and not um but uh, you know the, some of these apps are actually really good at kind of keeping track of that for you um so yeah I mean most of it was really just kind of how I felt about it and and there were some words even that I recognized after learning the 2500 that I knew that I would never, use ever in my life so those uh those went you know i never reviewed those ever again i think there were some that were about nuclear power or something like that it's like nah, i don't think i'll talk about that and if i have to i'll just say i don't know how to say that in that language you know
0: definitely so there's a question we always like to ask all of our guests who come on the podcast and that is what is language hacking to you so what would your thoughts be on that
2: yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, language hacking is, is using all the tools that you have to kind of trick your brain into sticking to making language a priority in your life. Um, I think if you can do that, then that's the hack, right? Um, and by making it fun, you're involving your family by giving it a meaning of, of, of why you want to learn this by using fun really uh, aesthetically pleasing apps all that kind of keeps me going and i think if you can just keep going you can stick to it and be make it a habit just learning uh, a little bit of that language or working on that language every day that's that's the true hack
1: and as far as what your current projects are that you have going on right now would you care to share any of them
2: sure yeah um i'm actually working on um I'm learning another language uh, of, of numbers. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to learn um, ten thousand digits of pi. Actually, relearn them. I knew them about four years ago for a test that I was trying to a record that I was trying to break. And I've been re- relearning them. Um, I'm almost up to nine thousand. And um, you know, it's funny because it's 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 not a language at all. But it, there's a lot of components to how I'm studying it, how I'm reviewing it that feel a lot like what I did during the the Dutch learning project.
0: That's amazing. So I think we'll wrap it up there and uh, I'll make sure that people can check out your book and everything else that you've done uh, in the show notes. And that'll be uh, linked along with this podcast. So uh, everyone definitely go check that out. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Nelson, for coming on today. Thank you, Benny. Thank you,
2: Shannon. Uh, happy to be here and uh, hope your listeners and learned a couple things about memory.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Yep. So thank you very much for listening along, everybody. And we'll catch you in the next one. So until then, happy language learning.
1: Happy language learning.
0: In each episode, Shannon and I like to share a key takeaway that you can take action on. That's something that you can put into play in your language learning right away. And in this episode, Nelson shares how he creates images or mnemonics to remember new words that he's learning. And in fact, it's helped him to learn over 2,400 Dutch words in less than three months. Have you tried mnemonics? It really is one of my favorite ways to memorize new vocabulary. Like when I first got into learning languages, vocab was a huge issue for me, but by following a similar pattern of association with new words based on some kind of connection I could find to words I already knew. It really made a difference. And it's great to see the power of this when it's scaled up so much, like in Nelson's case. We really hope you enjoyed this interview and we've definitely enjoyed chatting with Nelson. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this interview helpful, don't forget to leave us a review at languagehacking.com review. Until next time, happy language learning.
1: We
2: hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel. With special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team, the theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.